The Art of Leadership Network. Hey friends, it's Adam. You're listening to the conversation in these next 28 minutes. Our hope is if you're trying to figure out how to make a difference with your life or you're walking through an unpretty part of being human, we want you to know that you are not alone. In these conversations each week, we talk about what does it look like to actually follow Jesus. Well, this is kind of random this year, but each year my wife and my mother-in-law ask me for a short list of potential gift ideas for myself for Christmas. Like they want to know a list of things that I would personally enjoy receiving. And each year I have to say, I struggle terribly to come up with anything. I'm always the last family member to send in my short list. And so for all of you who are like me, I I thought it would be fun to come up with with a men's gift guide for Christmas. A list that can be helpful for dudes who are struggling what to tell their loved ones like me and also for someone who has a man in their life that they don't know what to purchase for. And so I've put together this men's gift guide and I must say, I think it's awesome. I honestly think it's it's awesome. Some of the gifts that I've included are things that guys can wear. Other gifts are there to encourage their relationship with Jesus. Just to, just to be clear, I do not make anything personally from this. Again, I just hope that it would be helpful. If you want this men's gift guide in your inbox, simply go to adamweber.com slash the crew to get signed up. All you need to do is enter in your email address. I'm pretty sure it takes roughly 10 seconds or less to do so. So go and check that out. Today, though, my guest is the wonderful Tony Collier. Tony is an author. She is a speaker. She's an amazing leader. Her husband, Sam, who is one of my favorite human beings, has been on the podcast as well. They are a dynamic couple. I just have so much respect for the both of them, their relationship and the way they walk with Jesus. Tony and I, though, we talk about the messiness of life and specifically her story around divorce, what helped her, what hurt, and what the church can do to support people walking through a similar thing. Tony also shares her encouragement for anyone feeling jaded, how to recognize when you're numbing yourself and what to do about it. On that note, friends, as always, sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation. Well, today we're talking about brokenness and uh, the painful things that we all experience in life. And Tony, just to start, if you'd be willing to share a part of your story when it comes to pain and 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 brokenness, what's that looked like for you? Man, um, you know, it's interesting because uh, there is maybe the first 25 years of my life was full of all kinds of things. Um, but you know, what was most painful is realizing that I had gone through trauma. I think that was probably the most painful moment when I was about 24 years old. I was transitioning from a toxic church. I was uh, transitioning out of a, a really toxic and abusive marriage and, and I hit rock bottom in a way and, and I realized that my story had been full of pain and trauma that I had been, you know, sexually manipulated and abused as a little girl. And I've been numbing with drugs and alcohol and partying and all those things. And I think the most painful realization was how in the world am I going to get out of this valley? Like, how am I going to be used again by God? It, it, am I going to be used again by God? And dang, this really sucks. I have a lot to heal from. I would say that was the moment for sure. 
Well, just kind of coming to the realization of everything you'd been through and like how to, yeah. how to get out of this. Yeah. It, because let me tell you, when you're in it, sometimes it doesn't feel as painful as when you realize that you have to heal from it and that it had have happened to you. I used to say things like, where was God in this? And why was I so unprotected? And why did darkness come into my story in this way? And I'm unworthy of healing. This is it for me. Yeah. That I would say was like the most painful thing is realizing that maybe hope isn't available that because of my story, maybe, maybe there's no more goodness left for me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So this quote, you say, uh, the greatest gift I've ever given myself was the bravery to press into pain and the freedom to heal from it. Sh share, yeah. share, share that. What, what is that? Well, Adam, here, here I am in the face of all this pain and despair, so sad that this is what my story has amounted to. And I could have done two things. I could have wallowed in that, stayed in the valley, stayed in victim mindset, or I could have pressed into pain and done the very thing that I'm afraid of, which is to heal, which is to start over again, which yeah. is to live a new, more whole life and do the real hard work of healing. I think one of the things that is hard for our generation and the next is that we don't want we don't want to be in pain. <laughs> we were here trying to live the good life, honey. Okay, I was, I've been saying this lately. I want to live the soft life. Okay, because sis don't want no more testimonies. Okay, I'm not trying to no more messes in the miracles out here. Okay, but it is when we press into pain. It is when we press into the very hard things that we start to become refined, that we build grit and that we surrender. Because when things are painful, I don't know about you, but you know, I'm not like a bulldog. Like I'm not about to just press through. When I am in pain, I'm like, I need to go lay down. Okay. And so when we're experiencing real pain in our stories and real brokenness in our stories, some of us just need to take a pit stop at the feet of Jesus so we can access his power. Some of us need to lay down at the cross. And so that's this concept of let's press it. Like, let's do the hard things so that we can come out on the other side more better. Yeah, that, no, that, that's so good. I, I, we do everything possible to avoid pain. Um, for, for the person who's maybe coming to that realization that you said was the hardest moment, what, what encouragement for that person who's like, I'm beginning to realize all the mm -hmm. crap that I've been through. Yeah. Um, I don't want to move. Like, I'm just like, I'm stuck here. Like what, 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 what do you say to that person of like, why, why would I, I'm, I'm so angry. I'm mm -hmm. so jaded. Like, yeah. Well, here's the deal. And I had to ask myself this question. Does bitterness, darkness, anger get the final say in my story? And it's going to be a no. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. No, 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 no. Like, and you know, I'm, I'm a three on the Enneagram. I'm trying to win out here at, at any cost. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but, but even if you're not, and no matter where you fall in the Enneagram spectrum, like we all want hope. We yeah. all want joy. We all want goodness. Are we really going to let darkness and the presence of pain, even though I know it's difficult and hard, are we really going to let it win? Are we really going to let it get the final say in our stories? I would say for those of you that are in pain right now, I would say healing isn't probably going to come tomorrow. And this crap is going to be super hard. But 
persevere. Don't stay in the valley. Know that you're going to come out. And even if you need to stay there for a little while so that you can get healed and all patched up, don't expect yourself to stay there. You're going to get to Mountain of Hope and you got to believe that and you got to want that for yourself. Yeah. Along, along those lines, I think a lot of times uh, we, we, you mentioned earlier part of your story, whether it's partying, alcohol, drugs, uh, numbing ourselves is a lot easier than actually dealing with it. And, and sometimes it's blatant where it's like, hey, you have a you have a drinking problem. I mean, you're you, maybe it's not blatant for everybody. You don't Some, remember yesterday. Yes. Some, okay. Sometimes it's more clear, but other times it's, uh, I'm a, I always say I'm a recovering workaholic. We have yeah. our drugs of choice is probably the best yeah. way to say it. Um, for a person who's numbing themselves, maybe first off, is there is there times when you've realized, gosh, I didn't even realize I'm numbing myself? And yeah. what's the alternative to that? That's good. Yeah, absolutely. There have been times. There have been times where I have shopped until I dropped out here, okay? Like <laughs> there are different things that we use to numb ourselves. For some of us, it's essential oils. For some of us, it's shopping like nobody's business. For some of us, it's going to the gym a little bit too much. Can we just be honest about that? For some of us, yeah. it's alcohol, weed. I mean, the list goes on and on. It is whatever we are replacing our our work, the work that it takes to really actually heal pain, whatever we're replacing it with as a quick fix. Our numb, the things that numb you really are things that are band-aids that on top of things that really need surgery. That's yes. what it is, whatever that looks like for you. The alternative, I think, is to, well, number one, get in community. Because just like you said, Adam, like sometimes we don't actually realize that we're numbing. Yeah. Sometimes we don't realize that we're in deep, dark holes and we've been doing things to numb so that we can stay there because it's familiar and not actually heal and get to a new space. Well, if you have deep intentional community that you're really doing life with and working with, they're going to notice when you're numbing. And if they're, if they feel safe enough, and if you have opened yourself up to real honest accountability, they're going to tell you, they're going to say, Hey, Tony, I noticed sweet girl, you didn't have three old fashions in one setting. Okay. Now, you know, your limit is two because you are crazy and you're going to get canceled out here. Okay. You need to only have two. Like, and, you know, like those are the things that my friends notice because they know me because they know the boundaries that I've set. I know me and you got to get people around you that know you, too, so that they can help you in moments where you're trying to know. That's that is so good. You you mentioned being an Enneagram three and I am yeah. a three in the absolute worst way. That's how we're crushing Even just like seeing the dark side of that, of... Uh, oh, yeah. uh, three just makes me uh, sick to my stomach. But one of the things is perception matters a whole bunch to the threes. And I, I think more than being Enneagram three, I think perception matters a whole bunch to everybody, maybe to some people more than others. And because of that, we don't want to ask for help. And so it's like, I don't even know how to even think yeah. about help for the person who doesn't have community. You mentioned that. What's this, what, what, what would you, challenge that person. For me, I, I've needed to wait till rock bottom moments until uh -huh. I'm already in the bottom of a pit before I, it's like, I got no options left. So now I'm asking for help, but it's like, I could have done this before I got into this hole. Yep. 
Yeah, well, one, I I have this general practice that I'm trying to live life on the offense, not the defense. And the truth is, I'm that way too, Adam. Like, I want to squeeze myself dry until I have nothing at all and then go to other options and then transition into the soft life. But living a life on the offense, not the defense, means, number one, we potentially have a replenishment cycle. We have um, grit and we have hope and we have joy that's built up in our reserves. For me, what that looks like is... My replenishment cycle includes nature. I got to get outside. Okay. Yeah. I love nature. I want to be in things that have been untouched by man. I, I want to be able to, to be in environments that have only been touched by God. Well, I need to do that about two to three times a week. And so that's a part of my replenishment cycle. Good. Another part of my replenishment cycle is worship music. Now, I can't sing that well. Okay. But, but I'm going to build these songs out, honey. Okay. And I'm going to worship. And what that does for me is it it starts to open me up to the surrender of God, the posture of surrender. Because for me, perfection has always equated to success. When I realized in my life, it's not perfection that brings you to success and fulfillment. It's surrender. It's being able to lay it down. Well, that's a part of my replenishment cycle, continually being in the posture of surrender. For those of us that's like striving and numbing, like We've got to figure out how we don't get to spaces where we have to know getting ahead of it, living on the offense, not the defense. That's, that's, that's good. That's beautiful. So you, you mentioned uh, Jesus and how God comes into the equation. Like, yeah. what is that? What, how, like tangibly speaking though, it's easy to say just Jesus, like to, to really be made whole again. Um, to begin to find healing, any specific steps that you would encourage us to do? Well, I think the first thing that I had to personally realize in my story is that I was a fan of Jesus, not a follower of Jesus. Two very, very different things. I was Sunday morning, honey, knew every worship song, was flamed in the spirit all day long, but my Monday through Saturday was completely absent of him. The first thing that I think that we have to realize is that This whole Jesus thing has been put in a box and cute packaged into three songs and a preach and offering, but it is not that at all. The depths of who God is and the transformative power of Jesus comes when you meet with him, when you have real intentional relationship. And Voskiam always says, intimacy, 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 living a cruciformed life, living like Jesus Uh, died for us in the posture of cruciformity, totally open, ready, and surrendered with him, with our arms wide open, for those of you listening to this. And so I I think for some of us, that practical step may look like a strategy that I put in the book. It's called 741. And it's simple. It's seven minutes a day, four days a week, one day of reflection. During those seven minutes, you're just going to check in with God about how you're feeling, you're going to repent for anything you need to repent for, because trust me, we got something to repent for every day. And as a three, I'd be lying to myself. I'd be like, mm, I didn't do nothing. I didn't curse nobody out yesterday. No, 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 sweet girl. You had some crazy thoughts. There was something that you were postured wrong. You got irritated at your, your family. Something happened. So in those seven minutes, tell God how you feel, repent, and then sit in silence. 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, and just ask the Lord to be near, to speak with you. Seven minutes a day, four days a week, 
one day of reflection. What has God said to you? What are you starting to feel in your heart? What impressions has he started facing, uh, placing on your heart? To me, for some of us that are, are on the rocks about Jesus, I think that's a good on-ramp. For some of us that we were all in and then we kind of like jumped out, I think it's a, a good way to kind of step back and come back into the space with Jesus. But it's just relationship, not religion. That's really all it is. Yeah, I, I can tell my wife, anytime I have an off day, she'll just, just point blank ask me, have you spent any time with Jesus today? Uh-huh. And 10 times out of 10 when she asks, uh, the answer is I have not. Um, yeah. And so it just impacts things. But I think specifically when it comes to healing and yeah. processing pain, uh, yeah. for, at least for myself, I mean, Jesus has been the ingredient to actually being finding wholeness and healing and the most non-cheesy, I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to say that. When you're walking through it, it's like, God, you are the only one who can put this back together. You're the only one who I don't feel like I need to explain anything to because you just know what I've been through and you know what I'm feeling even in this moment that even when I can't find the right words and I get frustrated that I can't even verbalize my pain, I'm so glad you understand it all. Like for for me, just having that that time, uh, again, uh, specifically during a season of of healing and and pursuing wholeness is just critical. Tony, you you mentioned a part of your story being divorce. And I mean, uh, it's just, I I feel still even when when someone is going through the end of a marriage at Embrace the Church I'm at, I I still feel like, gosh, I hope, I hope, I hope we're doing a good job of loving you and caring caring for you. And not just like the church staff, but this church body, because it can be an awkward thing to experience as... A Christian, you know, it's like, yeah. okay, uh, you share as much as you want to share. Uh, how you like, maybe like, gosh, this was one thing that I was really cared for during that season by the church. And here was maybe like, if there was not so good, like, yeah. gosh, this is one thing that That's didn't, really this is one thing that didn't bring healing. It, br- it brought even more hurt during that yeah. time. You know, what's interesting is that I experienced a really strong level of hurt from a specific church when it came to divorce and then ended up transitioning to North Point Ministries into another church and experienced like community and care like I just hadn't even experienced before. In the my first church, um, it was a few things. So the, my pastor at the time was very spiritually manipulative um, and abusive in so many ways. He said that my purpose was connected to him and that if I ever left the church, transitioned out, that I would miss it, that I would somehow miss my purpose, Um, which is just really manipulative. What that meant is that when I went through a divorce and I am coming to the pastor, I'm coming to staff members and I'm saying, hey, I really need to take a break from ministry. And he's telling me in response that if I leave, if I take the break, if I take the time that I need to heal from this divorce, that I would also lose my purpose. And so here I am walking around with the idea that I'm discounted, right? That it's over, that because I needed a break, because I needed rest, because I needed to go and really heal from this divorce and walk through it, that I would somehow no longer be used by God. Well, then I ended up transitioning to this new church, North Point Ministries, under the leadership of Andy Stanley. And 
I, I literally found people that were like, rest is the best thing that you can ever do. God's not upset with you. He's, he's waiting for you to come to him. And I'm like, no, that's not true. Like I, I've, I've only been taught about this God that's like at the end of the tunnel saying, get all your stuff together so you could, we can hurry up and move yeah. on with your life. And now I'm learning that, no, it, there's a God that is lighting up the way for me to come through the tunnel. And I think, I think the core of what churches do well and don't do well is they misrepresent God when people are processing through divorce. If we are supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus, if we are supposed to be Jesus with skin on, then we, we should be doing our absolute best to treat people in ways that Jesus would treat them, that God would actually carry them through and not stunt their growth because they're going through something hard. And so I think churches just need to be more like Jesus, more grace-filled, more kind, more patient um, with those of us that are going through really hard seasons in our life. If you had a, and I'm, I'm so honored you, all of that is, is again, I feel like I'm, it's a holy ground that you're sharing with us. Uh, if, if you had a friend right now walking through a, a divorce or an end of a yeah. marriage, wh- what are, what are three things that you would do that, that you're just like, gosh, I, I want to show them the love of Jesus. Here's maybe, maybe three things that I would do or not do or whatever it, uh, it might be. Yeah, no, this is amazing. Uh, what's interesting is that I do have a friend that's walking through divorce. She attends our church. Um, and the first thing that we've done is we've called and listened. See, oftentimes as pastors and leaders, we call to give advice. We call to give help, right? And so in these seasons, even though I've been through a divorce, even though I may have some advice that I could offer up that could help make this easier, whatever, Instead of doing that, instead of positioning myself in a posture of, I'm the leader, I'm over you, I've got something for you, I'm positioning myself as a friend the way that Jesus would, that he would carry all of our sorrows and bottle up all of our tears. That's what I'm going to do for my friend. So I'm calling her and I'm saying, hey, I would just love to hear where your heart is today, the good, the bad, the everything in between. So I would say, number one, we should be better listeners. I think the second thing is... Um, I think that we can offer up help without forcing it down people's necks. One of the things that I love to do and have to be mindful of is that I feel like I'm a pretty resourceful person. I love to connect people to resources. I love to connect people to other people. And so I want to do that really well. One of the things that I do when I'm helping, I mean, I've helped so many women walk through divorce, um, is that I will put up a pile of resources for them. And then I would say, hey, I'm listening to you. I'm here. I'm going to sit with you in this grief. Whenever you are ready and not before, I have some resources for you. I would love to to put some legs to what you're going through and help you really get through this. Because as you know, Adam, like we've, we've like, we've given people scripture for healing, but we can also give them strategy. We can point them to the source that is God, but we can also give them resources. People need tangible, practical help, like real help. And so I think that as leaders, like we have to be okay with like saying, here's a resource. I don't know it all, 
but I'm going to push you over here. It may not be, you may not be able to be in our church for this season. We don't have a divorce care ministry, but this church does. Maybe you should go there for a season. We don't want to share. We don't want to do that. We don't want to point people away from our houses. But if we really care about transformation, like real transformation and not behavior modification, then we would start to really resource people with resources that even we don't own, develop, whatever. And the third thing I would do is say is pray. And that's not because it's the least thing. It's not because it's the the thing that, you know, oh, well, obviously we should do that. No, no, no. Prayer works. Yeah. We're talking about holy healing words that get submitted to our Father, the only one who can ultimately heal. So really pray for people. Like, not, oh, I'm going to pray for you. I got you. But like, hey, let's stop and pray right now. No matter how awkward it is, let's pray right now. I got you. That, that That's so good. And um, yeah. l- last question I have is with, with divorce, for someone who's walking through right now, any words of encouragement? I, I look at where God has brought you. I, I, before going on here, I shared okay. your husband's my absolute, one of my favorite humans on the planet. Um, <laughs> any words of encouragement for someone who's walking through it? And again, yeah. it's as someone who's been in their shoes, maybe different journey, but uh, has yeah. been in a similar situation. What would you say to that person? Yeah, I would say first and foremost, don't fall into the pain comparison trap. It's very easy to look at my life. People do this all the time, especially like new followers. You probably know this where people come in and they they kind of see like the highlight reel, which I'm not a highlight reel type of girl. I'm sharing all my business all the time. But, you know, they come into the story and they're just like, oh my gosh, Tony's got this beautiful marriage. and Her story's been so redeemed. Don't get it twisted. I had to claw my way here. Bloody knuckled claw my way to where I am at. And when we fall into the pain comparison trap, what we essentially do is we compare our pain to other people's glory. And it robs us of the ability to press into our own pain and get to so that we can get to the glory. At the end of the day, we have to do our work. And healing is painful and it is not linear. And we got to know that. And so I would say when you're going through something really hard, if you're processing through your story, stay in your story. Do not pop into someone else's story. Stay in your story. Welcome God into that space and be absolutely sure that you are going to do what it takes to press through the pain, embrace it like you know how, like you can, and find hope and healing on the other side. Well, I hope that conversation connected with you wherever you're at and whatever unprettiness you might be walking through in your own life today. And I pray you're feeling encouraged and that you now have even one practical step that you can take and go forward with. Just to mention it again, you can sign up for the free men's gift guide for Christmas by simply going to adamweber.com slash the crew. Once again, I'm not getting paid. There's no ads. There's no special links that I'm using. These are just things that I genuinely enjoy and hope you will as well. Also, if you appreciate the conversation and you haven't done so yet, I'd be so grateful if you'd go and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That, that's one of the best ways to help other people to find the conversation. Know that I'd be grateful for the review. And most of all, know that I'm so thankful for each of you who tune in every single week. The Conversation with Adam Weber is produced by the Art of Leadership Network and is proudly distributed on Faith Radio. I can't thank these partners enough. For more information on this show, visit adamwebber.com.